Isaiah chapter 60 this evening. Kingdom age transformation is the theme for us. It will become very clear as you move through the chapter. The subject is not immediately told. But for example, you get to verse 14 and we read, The city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. And all of that is, has to do with all the changes he's going to make. Any city or any soul or churchgoer can awake, but can they shine? And that's how the first verse starts off. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of Yahweh is risen upon you. Long before I knew that this was in the Bible, my dad would wake me up, rise and shine. I thought it was an army thing, but it uh, turned out to be a biblical thing. He actually said something like this back in chapter 26. And there he said, awake and sing. And so, the, you know, Isaiah, as you go through his prophecies, he's a passionate man about his faith. And I think that's why so many of us are passionate about the book of Isaiah. It, it comes out. In various ways. He saw Zion at the present time covered in darkness because of its disobedience. And as he had, as it had been revealed to him, Messiah was going to transform the world. And so, arise and shine, for your light has come. Now, light is a metaphor in Scripture for salvation and for spiritual knowledge uh, being uh, imparted. An awakening brought about by, of course, the Christ to us, who is Jesus Messiah. And Zion cannot shine in her own light. She dimmed it, dimmed it down because of the disobedience. And having preferred to walk in darkness, as we pick up in Isaiah 59, the previous chapter, there in verse 9, as the prophet laments the present state of Israel, when he wrote these things, when he preached this word, therefore justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness, for brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. And so it's just, again, a lamentation of the current events in Israel. Here's this righteous man, and he's watching his nation fall apart. Because they're not interested in their God. And so uh, we're not alone in that. With, with, I mean, today we see things falling apart. And it's so easy to hold them together, just turn to God. But so difficult to take place. And when, when Messiah comes, the prophet is sharing that uh, Israel will reflect his glory. Well, that's, you know, one of the, the, the moon preaches that sermon to us. The moon says, I have no light of my own. The light I shine is reflected from the sun. And, the, you know, when Messiah comes, Israel will reflect the light. The church is supposed to do that, and many churches do. Christians that bear witness and glorify Christ, they are reflecting the light of Christ. Psalm 36, verse 9, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see. And so, uh, at the Messiah's first coming, because Israel failed to receive him, uh, they missed that opportunity to arise and shine. But like Jonah, Israel gets a second chance, 
at the second coming of Christ, and they will not fail that time. Here in verse 1, he continues, and the, the glory of Yahweh is risen upon you. So again, he's, you know, rise and shine. The light, uh, the glory of God is upon you. And uh, this has a feel, this verse, of uh, the Christmas story, the coming of Christ, and all that unfolded after that. John, in his first letter, when he was speaking about, John the Apostle, speaking about John the Baptist, he says, He, John the Baptist, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And, of course, that's something Christ passed on to us. Simeon in the temple said, A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. In that one phrase of Simeon, He's saying, I I understand my scripture. I know what the prophets say. I know what Isaiah said about the Gentiles. He was one of the Jews that had a heart for the Gentiles. It shows up. That outburst of the Spirit. And then in the public ministry of Christ, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew adds this, writing to Jewish people, primarily he says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region, the shadow of death, light has dawned. And so those who were in a, you know, the dark places under Roman rule at the time, he's saying the old Messiah is coming. And you know, Christ, he's talking about the northern areas of Israel where, where Christ was better received than he was in Jerusalem. And Luke chapter 24, you're going to love this one. If When I read it, you'll probably, probably recall it. This is the two disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus, making a U-turn now, after, you know, while I was dining with Christ and doubling back to the city. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? How many Christians just don't care to have the scriptures open to them? They want to just kind of burrow and do it on their, their own. And that, uh, you know, there's some of that is mandatory. But this, this, what is also mandatory is the assembly and the preaching of the word by those given to the church as a gift. And when in, in Ephesians 4, the, Paul says that the Lord has gifted the church with some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So Paul... He quotes part of this first and second verse in Isaiah 60 and also Isaiah 26 where arise and sing in that section back there. He he quotes this sort of a, uh, he, he compounds the two sections in their teachings. He says in Ephesians 5, 14, Awake you who sleep, arise from the death, and Christ will give you light. And he, he so he renders Yahweh from Isaiah as Christ, which is saying Paul recognizes that Jesus Christ is Yahweh in the Old Testament, same person. So you can do a little study on that if you want to. Isaiah 26, 19 and Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2 with Ephesians 5, 14. And and you might see that. You should see that there. Well, anyway, Israel sent his light to the nations, something that was said right out in Isaiah 42. But then we get to Isaiah 46, and the role is transferred to Messiah, because Israel's failing at it. So Messiah picks it up. And uh, 
here, uh, she is going to get another chance. And in the kingdom age, Israel will be, uh, you know, where the, the, the capital of the world. And the people that survived the great tribulation, they will be converts, but largely very ignorant of Christianity. Well, how are they going to learn? And it's not going to be miraculously imparted. They're going to have to go through the same processes of of learning and discovery as the rest of the believers do. Uh, You can say, well, can't God just give it to them? Of course he can, but that's not what the Scripture teaches. And we always have to be careful not to read miracles into Scripture where they don't belong. The thing about the miracles in the Scripture, they're right there on the surface. You know, Jesus walked on the water. There's no guessing about that. Uh, Elisha rolled up the mantle of Elijah and he touched the Jordan and it rolled back and he walked across on dry ground. So, uh, you know, there are subtle miracles, but miracles nonetheless. When they were going to throw Christ off a cliff, he just walks right through the crowd. You know, they're arguing with, fussing with themselves and he just walks right through. Well, that's miraculous. So, there's no need to, to inject miracles into text. If there's none there, then the teaching... It has something to do with uh, reasoning apart from uh, supernatural events. And so I'm saying all this to say that the survivors of the millennial age will need to be taught, and we're going to get through all of that, and uh, hopefully you'll see why I say these things. Verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people But Yahweh will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Well, the 144,000 Jews and the two witnesses will understand that, but the rest of the Jews will not. And only the survivors will finally get it. Uh, This uh, darkness, like a thick darkness that covered the earth in Egypt for three days when Moses pronounced that judgment. But then... We read in that same section of Exodus 10, verse 23, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. <laughs> so that's a miracle. Everybody else is, it's pitch black everywhere. And, uh, but the Jews had their light. Uh, so here, here we have it happening at the, at the climax of Antichrist's reign. The darkness comes unlike ever before, spiritual darkness in the days of Antichrist. But then, of course, when Jesus return, returns, it is to a world covered in this spiritual darkness that he will uh, begin to address. And so Isaiah, of course, the prophets, they, they only had partial information. We have more information than the prophets. Now, that does not mean we could see as far as they could. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a miracle how far these men saw and how courageous and determined they were to preach it and absolutely embrace it. For behold, again, verse 2, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But Yahweh will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And you would hope a present day Jew would read that and say, you know, the darkness is going to go and Messiah is going to bring it. Who is this Messiah? Um, And Many Jews that convert to Christ do see it. Anyway, verse 3, The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, that's not the case anymore, but it will be the case again. 
Those Gentiles coming to the Jews are the surviving Gentiles of the tribulation period. Jesus said, unless those days were short and no flesh would survive, which means there are survivors who are, are um, you know, victims of the dark, spiritual darkness in this world and not champions of Antichrist. Uh, again, I'll be referring to these things, but not only was apostate Israel in darkness, but the Gentiles were too. And it's good to try to, you know, it's, it's, it's good to ex- try to get a broad view of things without losing that uh, straight and narrow view. For example, in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, well, there were heterosexuals in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were all not, uh, you know, uh, as we would say, Sodomites, though they were citizens of Sodom. Uh, they were not all practicing those sins, but they were all wicked, nonetheless. They, you didn't have to practice the, uh, the homosexuality to be in line for judgment. There are plenty of other sins that put you in, uh, in fact, ahead of the line sometimes. And so, uh, you know, when we think about these things, what comes out to me is the just, the fairness of God. Uh, just he's, he's always right. His judgments are always sure. Well, the Gentiles, they will come to the light. Uh, There will be Jews that survive the Great Tribulation and Gentiles also. And what we get is a glimpse of the glory uh, not realized by the ancient Jews to this day. Uh, Presently, the work of the church, Jesus said, If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no particular people that are ostracized from the gospel. Uh, every ethnicity is, uh, the gospel is available to every ethnicity under the sun. And uh, there will be, more than likely, appointed leaders by Christ when he comes. And this is a little tricky here. So again, looking at verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Well, who's these, who are these kings? Because many of them, during the reign of Antichrist, are wicked. And they're going to be judged. Luke chapter 17, 36, two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Even though that has rapture overtones, it's about judgment. It's, it, it has its application to rapture, but that's first meaning is to the judgment of the wicked. There's going to be a global purging by Christ himself when he comes and his saints with them. Uh, Armageddon's not going to be the only place that suffers his judgment. And it's going to be, take a, a, period, you know, a long period of time, not, not years, but almost a year. It's, it's going to be some time of that involved. If you look at verse 17 real quick, uh, instead of bronze, I will give you gold, but I want to get to the bottom of the verse. I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. And so there's going to be appointed administrators, um, government officials. It um, this, this is one of the applications that those... Purged, the wicked will be purged, and those left behind will be appointed, or, perhaps I should say, and or. We will be these kings referenced in 
verse 3. Now, when we think of kings, we think of a throne and a crown, but you, the, the idea, the, the leaders, the government officials, and in Isaiah's day, it was the kings. Monarchies were everywhere. And uh, so, Revelation 5.10, speaking of the saints, that he has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. So we will be, that when you say, well, why won't there be any corrupt governments anymore? Well, one of the reasons is there's going to be this injection of the saints that come back with Christ. We're going to be upholding righteousness. And we're going to be uh, those who teach those who have not heard the word of God. It's a big world. People won't be dying as they die now in the millennial age. Commerce and uh, things are going to be going on as, as, as always. So why does, does he need to appoint kings and priests? The priests will be the, the royal priesthood of believers. Because again, the earth is going to be loaded with people. And more people will be born during this period. And death won't be snatching away so many of them. There'll be no more wars. There'll be no more military. No more police stations. Uh, it's quite radical. I think the firemen will probably still get, a, get to be here. I'm, I don't know that the laws of physics are going to stop. But violence will go away. Uh, will largely go away. And uh, we'll, um, I'll give you verses for that. But before I do, Psalm 86, verse 9. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Well, that hasn't happened, but that will happen. Malachi, chapter 1. Remember, these prophets are writing from uh, their standpoint. They don't see as much as we see. Uh, and, and that um, accounts for why they so much is locked into Israel. They, they really see, they certainly couldn't see the church. They couldn't see the Gentiles, you know, leading in churches, teaching Jews. But uh, that's happened. Malachi 1.11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And every place incense shall be offered to my name. And a pure offering. Now pause there. That pure offering is to Christ. But Malachi, you know, how, how much of that did he, did he know? Or did he just have enough to know? Whatever offerings we offer, Messiah is going to have it right. Well, we have the details of such a statement. Anyway, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says Yahweh of hosts. And so again, this is future. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the rapture. The, those prophets, they were all about the Messianic kingdom. To them, that was the, the kingdom age. And uh, to, for us, um, you might not know this, but those with less hair, like Elijah the prophet, will be raptured at a faster rate than those of you with a full head of hair. This is aerodynamics. I'll let that sit to you. Aerodynamics. Okay, anyway, uh, noted tough crowd. What's today's date? Verse 4. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Uh, he's looking back at, he said these things in chapter 49. Uh, the revival in Israel creates a global movement of the Spirit. 
Uh, so a revival technically is something that's been dead and now has been brought back to life. And you can say that of those in Judaism. Uh, they had the right faith, and then the wicked have gained power. And uh, the, you know, before King Josiah, the wickedness, you know, was in control, was exalted, and then he becomes king. And there's this revival, and uh, then he dies, and then the wickedness is exalted. And these cycles that take place, but amongst the Gentiles. Technically, there's no revival. There's a movement of the Spirit, like in the book of Acts. It's not that they weren't believers and then drifted away and came and revived. I'm, I'm splitting hairs, but I think it's helpful because in Acts, the, the, the Gentiles are, are brought into the church, into salvation, unlike um, anything since the giving of the law to Moses. And so Israel will be revived. But as for the Gentiles that survive, they will be converted in the spirit. And uh, this is going to be very exciting. Jesus has made us a part of this process. So he doesn't just return to earth with us and we have nothing to do. We have quite a bit to do. Because not only um, will life change, but so will the landscape. The deserts will not be deserts anymore. It's going to be incredible. So anyway, verse 5, then you shall, I have to pause. I just hope there's no summer in humidity. Just, you know, that's, (laughs) verse 5, then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Their hearts will be throbbing. The, the, the Hebrew is literally beat with excitement. And it's supposed to be exciting. I think the prophet was very much excited when he was writing these things as God revealed them to him. Maritime commerce will thrive. There'll still be shipping and the ships will still be built. And, and just, um, you know, the work to maintain ships. You know, the, the strike's going to continue without the corruption. Um, nations will finally recognize that Yahweh, the, the Christ, is the only God. And this stays until deep, until the thousand-year reign of Christ when, when Satan is released. And then the boat gets rocked again, but that's a brief very seems like it's just a, a thought, a moment of a thought, and it's dealt with. But the Gentiles will bring their wealth and their merchandise as offerings coming to worship in Jerusalem. They're going to help finance to build. You know, there's going to be wars, nuclear exchanges in the days of Antichrist. Well, when Christ comes back, he's not going to magically, you know, clean up the rubble. This damage is going to be, have to be Cities are going to have to be rebuilt. Rubbish is going to have to be removed. You to think of Nazi Germany, uh, what the, the bombings did to Nazi Germany. Uh, they had, their work has to take place, and it's going to happen. Uh, the survivors will have, there'll be so much to do. Um, so we'll continue to develop it. To develop it. Verse 6, the multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. 
All those of Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim praises of Yahweh. These are Muslim, presently, Muslim territories. Well, Islam's going to be gone. And so will Buddhism and Hinduism and all the rest of those false religions. Climate change will take place, but it will not be man-made. It will be God-made, and it will be good. And uh, this, uh, these folks here are coming to worship, and they're... This going to be an okay. There'll be I mentioned no more war, no more military. Well, the monies that would go into arming militaries will be redirected into agriculture and industry, and I'm sure entertainment too. Without the loony entertainers that we have today, um, so um, just very very exciting. Entertainment is not evil. Sin is evil, and if you take. Sin, and you mix it with entertainment, then of course, that goes for everything. Um, even money. There's no, nothing evil inherently about cash or money, but it, it, it becomes a root of evil because of the sinful heart. Uh, but there's going to be money in this kingdom age. There's going to be a, you know, commerce, and trade. Verse 7, all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you, the rams of Nebioth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Yeah, they're coming to worship in Jerusalem. Uh, uh, Nebioth was Ishmael's first son. Ishmael was a son of Abraham through um, Hagar. It was a disaster. Well, you know, one of the, and the Arab people own their beginnings to Ishmael. A big part of their beginnings and it says of Ishmael that his hand will be against every man and every man's hand will be against him. And we've, we've been living that for his millennium. Kedar is the second son of Ishmael. Genesis 23.13 is where we, I'm getting this from. And so it says here in verse 7, They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar. Uh, they're going to be righteous now. But there will be reenactments bloodless reenactments in Jerusalem that commemorate the sacrifice of Christ. They will come where it says with their sheep and their rams. Well, that's really their wealth. In those days, you know, if you had, in some places of the world still, if you had large herds and flocks, it, uh, that was a measure of your wealth. Uh, you know, I... No blood sacrifice is used, and I'm, I'm going to stay on this for a little bit. In the millennial age, there will, as I mentioned, be commerce and trade. What about, will animals still be eating each other? Will we be eating the animals? What about leather shoes? Where are they going to come from? What about the saints that come and find linen with Christ? Where did they get the linen? Who worked the flax to get the, I mean, you know, so many questions, right? But... Uh, technology will continue without the corruption. Um, developing new products um, that uh, can replace leather goods. I'm giving you scenarios. Isaiah 11.6, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And it doesn't mean the lamb will be dwelling with the wolf in the belly. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf, and the young lion 
the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. So violence, you know, Paul said, all creation groans. It's all messed up. And Christ said, that's going to change. And so there's going to be the kingdom age transformation of not only people and climate and topography. When Christ comes, he, he splits the valley of, you know, when he arrives at, at um, Mount of Olives. He, I mean, there are just radical changes uh, going to be taking place. And that's only the few that we know about. He's the creator. And he's creative. And uh, he does all things well. And there's really nothing boring or casual about him. Uh, anyway, the ancient language is that uh, the, they're bringing their dromedaries, their sheep and all. It symbolizes the wealth in the millennial kingdom. It could very well be other forms of wealth. It could certainly be some of the animals. Still wool sweaters. I don't know if you even need wool. Uh, what the climate's going to be like and uh, will the seasons be in, have in, any intensity to them? Um, nothing like a nice wool jacket. Uh, anyway, coming back to this, uh, this is a, also symbolic that the Gentile nations will be doing very well. They will have such an abundance. Again, they're not spending on defense, you know, uh, items. Their agriculture, industry, technology, probably the medical field will continue to some degree. I don't. I mean, I would think that there's times they're going to get a headache. <laughs> I can't imagine living without Tylenol. I don't want to. I have, I have before, and I don't want to go back to those dark ages. But uh, anyway, uh, again, unless you want to read miracles into everything and just think it's not heaven is my point. It's, it's not heaven for the survivors of the millennial, of, of the tribulation period who move into the millennial age. Uh, the saints have the new Jerusalem, but promised land Jerusalem is going to be radically different also, the boundaries will be expanded. The priests will have larger territory. There's so many people flocking to Jerusalem. Where are they going to park? You see, things like this. Well, someone's going to have to put a tramway going. They're going to have to be modes to facilitate transportation without all the headaches. And it's going to be a pleasure to go worship. Because you won't have the corrupt leaders and the greasing of the palms and the nepotism and all the junk that ruins so much stuff in our this present world. And so, uh, back to, uh, well, well, the symbolism. Well, New Jerusalem has gates. Promised land Jerusalem will have gates. They will never close, both of them. Well, then why have them? They're commemorative. They're memorials. They're saying to humanity, I didn't have to let you in. I could have closed the gates. But they stay open. Praise the Lord, right? My point is that the symbols mean something. And uh, you, you did, those gates are not there to keep out intruders. There are no intruders in New Jerusalem, for example. Christ is our offering and our altar that sanctifies every gift. And therefore, this, the, the offerings being made in the millennial age are bloodless offerings. They are symbolic, like the gates, like many other things. Uh, the city with the, the, the New Jerusalem with the names of the apostles. Uh, it's, it's, it's to remind uh, 
to keep before us the value of our salvation, but also to share it with the those uh, tribulation survivors. We haven't even gotten to what happens after the millennial reign. Well, that's not covered here yet. So, uh, but you after at the end, Christ says, "You know, let's just wipe everything out. Let's just start again." And that's you know we don't have a lot of information on that, but he makes a new heavens and a new earth, and. Um, uh, we, so, uh, anyway, coming back to our study this evening. Prior to the cross of Christ, there was no way to represent atonement for a Jew except the Mosaic offerings. There's no way Isaiah could have thought outside of that box. It wasn't given to him. And so that's why the language sounds like, hey, are there blood sacrifices? No, because the finished work of Christ precludes that. When Christ fulfilled his mission, he said, it is finished. And all the types on the cross went with it, except as memorials and teaching aids. Uh, I guess go, go with some verses. Because it's difficult to imagine Christ presiding over blood sacrifices in Jerusalem. He's going to reign from Jerusalem. Can you imagine? You, you, he's not going to say, you're sacrificing a sheep? I died on the cross. What are you saying? Uh, this is, a, that would be anathema. Hebrews 10, 4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. No, but the precious blood of the lamb took them away, as John the Baptist said it would. Hebrews 10.14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. One offering, done. Matthew 5.17, do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He is the fulfillment. No need to to go backwards. Romans 10.4, for Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. And so I, I don't know why anybody would say, well, we're gonna, they're going to be offering bulls and goats and all again at the temple. They're, they're not going to be offering. There, there will be reenactments as memorials, but it will be all symbolic, as were the original sacrifices. They were all symbolic. The temple tabernacle of the Jews given to Moses based on a pattern shown to him in heaven. All symbolic. For example, the lampstand. Well, God doesn't need candles to see anything or lampstand. He he sees in the dark. But the teachings behind it are of utmost value to all of us. And you know, we love it. That's why you buy reference materials and you study and you go to Bible studies. We love the teachings that come out of these events. We love a teaching on the tabernacle. On, on why the you know the the showbread and why you know the lampstand and the wick was trimmed to keep it burning bright because when it goes dim that's not what God wants and we apply that to our lives. Well, those those living through the millennial kingdom, uh, they're going to be applying these things. We'll be set. We're in like a, a whole other category, sort of like the angels. The angels to us, the unfallen ones, are another category. But they are ministers to us. They help us in, in our walk with Christ, in serving Christ. And um, I believe in guardian angels to, uh, to the righteous. Um, why not? 
uh, when we see Lazarus goes to heaven, it says the angels took him to Abraham's bosom. When it talks about the death of the young, it speaks about their angels see the face of God. These aren't uh, things to be troubled by. These are things to be excited by. God's got this system in place, and it's, it's, it's got this rhythm that's moving, and we've, we've joined that rhythm. The flesh tries to work us out of it, and it has some success, but not, it doesn't win. And that's what the whole meaning of, they overcame him by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And that speaks to all believers. Well, uh, God, he's going to provide a temple for assembly and worship there in Jerusalem. The priesthood system will again be in place without uh, the Jewish uh, priesthood system because the royal priesthood system is another. You know, that's having to do with teaching and upholding the kingdom truths. So I think I've hit that good enough. Um, but there will be everybody united, Jews and Gentiles, in a single religion. Hasn't been that way globally since Noah uh, and his family on the ark. And not, all, not long after they left that ark and had children, did um, things begin to uh, drift from God. Well, verse 8. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roost. Now, this is figurative language describing the rapid influx of Gentiles to Jerusalem, not to live there, to come worship. Uh, and likely also a reference to the day aviation, literally taking flights to, to Israel. Why not? Why would we think that, okay, all the things that God has allowed us to learn, he's just going to wipe out and we're going to go back to traveling by cart and, you know, outhouses. And, yeah, see, all of a sudden now, he's like, no, I want some of the new stuff. Uh, so uh, it it's, you know, keeps it real to me, and it should keep it real to all of us. But also, here they are flying like a cloud, like doves to their roost. Well, what do we see today? We see these entertainers you know, traveling from Western civilization to places like Tibet or India to learn some senseless demonic teaching and try to come back and say they had some experience. And if they, what about the guy that says, five minutes in heaven? Then you weren't in heaven. I, I died and I went to heaven. No, you did not. Uh, or what are you saying? They threw you back? <laughs> I mean, but people believe this stuff without the scripture. Uh, well, that's all going to be gone. We're not going to have any more of those, you know. I died and I saw myself on the operating table. Well, was it gory? <laughs> it shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have been gory. I mean, anyway, I'm, I guess I'm the only one that, well, if I'm looking down at them cutting me open, I think it's going to be pretty gory. Well, in verse 9, again, second note, tough crowd. Surely the coastland shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of Yahweh your God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. Yeah, they're going to, the survivors, they're going to love this stuff. Uh, and they should. That's what the plan is. Jerusalem, Israel will be bustling with human activity to worship. Uh, 
commerce and peace. Micah 4.3. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they war, learn war anymore. That's why the gates can stay open. There's no need for that discontinuation of armed forces. Money is redirected. Verse 10. The sons of foreigners shall build your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Yeah, the wrath of God came out. Armageddon did a lot of damage to the promised land. Who's going to clean that up? Well, Ezekiel tells us that there's specific steps taken to clean up the battlefields. Well, what about all the civilian targets? So if, if, if I were a military commander today in the Pentagon, and, uh, and I had to, when they do, they have a war plan for every country, and uh, if, you know, the Chinese communists, you can bet their three-gorge dam is on the radar to hit. Well, if you hit that dam, that three-gorge dam, so much water would be released, you'd probably, without exaggeration, kill a, a billion people. It would be just just incredible disaster. Well, my point is there are targets that are going to be hit. And the damage is going to be uh, catastrophic. Again, who cleans this stuff up? Well, the survivors will. This will pump the, uh, bolster the economy. Uh, just think, you know, that, that it's going to be so much better for the survivors. But late in the millennial reign, they'll have nothing to base it off, and they'll, they won't remember these things, it seems. Verse 10, the sons of foreigners shall build your walls. Oh, I, I did read that. And uh, so in Jerusalem, these walls are not for fortification. They're probably architectural, practical walls with cafes and restaurants and hotels without the crime, without the skateboarders. And uh, so you got that one. Uh, so if, you, if you've had a business, you know they can they can be a little bit of a problem. No offense, if you're a skateboarder, we we love you. Just no skateboarders in church. Anyway, um, verse eleven. Therefore, your gates shall be open continually; they shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. So there's not going to be any shame involved in bringing uh, offerings to build up Jerusalem. Again, who pays for that? Somebody's got to pay for the supplies, the construction workers. They've got to eat still. They're not, um, you know, like us, not marrying or given, given in marriage. They are still where we were before we went to heaven. Um, the gates in the Bible speak of the authority. Uh, sort of like, um, the, you know, where all the plans for war were made or the the center of the leaders of the city. God promised Abraham that his descendants would possess the gates of their enemies. Well, that, that hasn't happened. And what in, is included in possession of the gates of your enemies is that you're the capital of the world now. You're the superpower. Uh, the, the, the pace of commerce and everything else is now centered in Jerusalem and it spreads out. To the rest of the world. So Isaiah's quote applies to the millennial kingdom. But uh, New Jerusalem also. Both cases, no, the gates do not close. Revelation 21-25 of New Jerusalem, where the saints from heaven will dwell, its gates shall not be shut 
at all. They just were forever open. And as it says here in verse 11, the gates continually open and not shut. Um, well, let's keep moving on. Verse 12. For the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. Well, God's going to rule with an iron hand. You're not put up with any nonsense. We'll be very happy about that. We'll not be susceptible to correction or sin. That's gone for us. But those, again, survivors will be. And uh, Zechariah 14, verses 16 through 21, give us an excellent teaching on the end times. Psalm 2 is another one. You know, no more Bible hijackers or pseudo-Christianity or repugnant religions, all gone. Um, verse 13, the glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress and the pine, the box tree, uh, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. Well, in Isaiah's day, Lebanon was known for her beautiful landscapes. You know, the Ottomans, the Crusaders, they stripped that land. And other peoples, it doesn't look today what it looked like then. In fact, today, Lebanon has been confiscated by Islam and Hezbollah. Well, uh, that's going to forever change. And Isaiah, of course, he did not see Islam. It did not exist until 500 years after Christianity. Uh, but he says, you know, the, just the beautiful things will, will, will come to Jerusalem willfully. But he also says um, that, well, we'll come back to if you don't come and worship this consequence. He says, I will make my place, I will make the place of my feet glorious. Well, he describes the temple as the footstool of Yahweh, um, an item for comfort. And that's Psalm 99, 5, Psalm 132, 7, and Ezekiel 43, 7. If you um, want to look that up. Verse 14. Also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you, and all those who despise you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet, and they shall call you the city of Yahweh, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Still future. Uh, of course, bowing at someone's feet depicts submission. Millennial survivors will be just overtaken by the truth uh, and uh, perhaps a bit overboard. But Isaiah captures that moment. And they would be corrected, of course, like John is. And, and you know, the angels say, hey, don't be worshiping me. You get me in trouble. And I'm going to smack you upside your head. Don't do that again. Okay, that's the Brooklyn angel saying that <laughs> to, to John. Well, um, they're going to be babes in Christ, you could say, really in need of instruction. Uh, the church at Philadelphia in the scripture, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, they had a similar thing said to them. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. And this, again, has to be fulfilled in the millennial age because there's no other part in history where we've, we've seen this and we're not going to see it. And, and uh, there's a double meaning there. You can also have them worshiping before your feet in the sense that you're witnessing them worship the Lord. They're right there worshiping uh, in front of you. You're going to witness this 
complete turnaround. And also the misguided worship of someone actually coming up to a Jew and just so grateful and having to be uh, gently corrected. This is so real. This is just, this is how humans do things and this is how God corrects the things that humans do that need to be corrected. Surviving Muslims, surviving Buddhists and Hindus, etc., surviving Roman Catholics, surviving those who just didn't know that were not judged uh, and uh, allowed, they're going to be so full of gratitude uh, and, and love. They're not, they have not experienced these things before. And it's going to be almost like, I know when I was converted, I was almost giddy with excitement. I got this giggle. I was so happy to be out of the world. And uh, why should I think they're not going to be happy? No longer maneuvered by Satan. Uh, just glad to be spared the judgment that other that was purged out and also. So the Jews will not be the only tribulation converts. And um, from those from being under Antichrist to Jesus Christ, they're going to sh- express their gratitude. And, well, verse 15 Whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no one went through went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. Well, in the day of Antichrist, the hatred for the Jews will be worse than it's ever been. No more traveling to Israel. No more tourism. He's going to shut that down, not immediately, but by the, se- the, the second portion of his reign, uh, there'll be nobody going to Israel. And he says, whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no one went through, uh, they're, going to, they're going to probably ban, you know, outsiders be a forbidden place. Nobody's going to want to go. They're going to have such hatred for them anyway. Christ will overturn this when he comes back. Verse 16 You shall drink the milk of Gentiles, the milk and milk, the breast of kings. You shall know that I am, that I, Yahweh, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Yeah, Zechariah talks about them, you know, where they pierced, they wept over the one they pierced, and they're going to be that. Um, amongst the Gentiles too. See, that's the part I was talking about. And you think of Sodom and Gomorrah, you just think about, you know, sexual perversity being judged. But there's other evils there being judged too. And so the same thing uh, with, the, um, with, with the Jews. They're not the only ones that are going to be uh, coming out of darkness. Uh, but we have some interesting here. There's a lack of the, the gender function agreement. What do you mean the milk of the breast of the kings? Well, they've, you know, the kings are it's masculine and versus queens would be feminine. Well, you, it's only a problem if you miss the symbolism, what, what, it's, what it means. He's saying Israel would be nursed and cared for from the wealth of the kings. Uh, whatever, to keep with the terminology, whatever milk, breast milk they have, it's under the... Uh, rule of the kings, bringing it uh, to the Jews. And so the verse is saying, the best of what the nations have to offer will be given to you. And uh, so, um, you know, the priests that are going to be a lot of priests in Israel, Jewish priests, how do they survive? What's their income? 
Well, the Old Testament, you know, you made an offering to the temple, the priests and many of those offerings would eat the food that you brought. Well, that's not going to change. And Gentiles will be bringing things. Uh, you know, ooh, cherry pie. So, uh, very interesting. Very averse. And again, people aren't going to be dying. Later on, Isaiah was said, if somebody dies at 100 years old, it's going to be like an infant died. So that's going to do quite a bit to the population. And that's going to provide the workers necessary to build up many places and cities, and just, again, without the corruption. So verse 16, again, the symbolism is profound. Isaiah drawing from that uh, environment of the, the ancient world. Verse 17, Indeed, instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron, I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. So upgrades, evidently no inflation, um, because there's no corrupted government. We already referenced the, the, the magistrates being righteous, uh, from Revelation, I will make you kings and priests. Added to that, the con- converts in the tribulation period that will be given opportunity to run government. They will remember the reign of Antichrist. They will remember uh, corruption and iniquity. And yet in that number of survivors, God knows how to select the righteous. And that's why I read from, you know, two men will be in the field, one taken, the other left. That One's taken to judgment. Uh, that's the, the, the first meaning of that verse. Anyway, verse 18, violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Well, remember I said those gates are going to be reminders that you could have been locked out. We'll be saying, thank you, Lord, that the gates of heaven are open. I shall enter your gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I shall enter your courts in praise. How profound. David was talking about the literal temple, but yet did he see the Holy Spirit said, this goes all the way into the the, uh, New Jerusalem. Well, um, verse 19, the sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but... Yahweh will be to you an everlasting light and your glory, and your God, your glory. So again, radical changes. And so you can't say, well, wow, the the light's going to become from the Lord. That's the only change. Of course not. That's why I've been harping on it all night. All these things are going to be just different. I don't know. Maybe there'll be another color added to the rainbow. Only Satan tries to take a color from the rainbow. You should know that one, because their rainbow has six colors. Ours has seven. Okay, I guess it's uh, nap time almost. Let's finish this up. (laughs) We need a cheering section here. No, we don't. We don't. Anyway, uh, where am I? So so it doesn't say, incidentally, that the sun and the moon have gone. It just says the light will be the Lord. Now, I don't know how that works out. Uh, you know, the earth turns by the gravitational pull of the sun. I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, I plan to have as a side job, a sunglass shop, if this is going to be, it's probably going to be light without glare. 
Yeah, it's going to be like, it's going to be, be too busy taking notes to do anything. Verse 20, your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself. See, there's the evidence why, you know, it doesn't say they've gone away. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Or Revelation 21, 4, God will wipe away every tear. Uh, Verse 21 Also, your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Remember to reject that dominion theology that God is done with Israel and never going to be back. The church is replaced. That is just a lie. There is a literal Israel. And Paul in Romans 11 said, so all Israel will be saved. Well, if it was the church, then the church is lost. Because you have to be lost before you get saved. It would make no sense. Verse 22. A little one shall become a thousand. And a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. And so their little nations will not be um, insignificant. And uh, God's blessings will be unmistakable, like his miracles. And they will be accomplished with uh, rap, uh, you know, quickly. He couldn't get the word out. Thus he says, I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Now the wise guy, Bible student, would say, Lord, we've read about your I come quickly." <laughs> What calendar time are you using here? Because to us, it's like really drawn out. So uh, anyway, uh, he knows that. Even in some places in Isaiah, he says, according to the, the time of man. Well, that uh, concludes this. We're going to continue with the millennial teachings as we move through the rest of Isaiah. But that is a good first start. And uh, even if you don't agree with it, which that could that be... Uh, there's nothing that was said that's bad. It's not like, that's going to be evil. It's all going to be this transformation. And does not Christ transform us into the image of his Son? Let's pray. Our Father, um, very excited about what's coming, but also thank you for giving us the presence of mind to be excited about the work that needs to be done now. There are still lost souls that we want to see in heaven. And may our eagerness to preach Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and returning, may it uh, only increase. We pray that you get us all home safely tonight. We ask you in Jesus' name, amen.